Hello, and welcome to the Tube Addicts podcast. My name is Trisha Gunawardna. I'm a cardiology registrar, subspecializing in coronary intervention. Are you still chewing that jerky then? <laughs> I am, I know. <laughs> Whilst the Rusha continues to chew his jerky, I'll introduce myself. So yeah, my name is Beth and John. I'm a GP trainee specialising in GP stuff, everything, nothing, risk, whatever you want to call it, ex-neurosurgery trainee. And it's been a while since we've done this and I've just suddenly forgot how I introduced myself. Yeah, I know. I've forgotten everything. It's, yeah. I, should, I should pay this the respect it really deserves and not be chewing on beef jerky like whilst we're no, talking come on we're, we're real people just, man we need yeah, to eat too we're human yeah we see some real things so it's been a while if there are people out there listening to this there's a solo episode in between that i'll let it get out there so they'll have that as a bonus to tie them over Bless but um them. yeah it's been two weeks it's been two yes. weeks yeah. so partly that's mainly my fault so i went to aci which is advanced coronary intervention like this british cardiovascular Interventional Society Conference. Oh, exciting. It's quite good. But the thing is is that I think there's that that whole neurodiverse thing where Mm. after all that socializing, even though like I came back and would have had time to do the podcast, I was just exhausted. I was like burnt out for a few days after. Yeah. And then I went into some on calls, which I was going to tell people about because that was (laughs) an experience. And then, but here we are, we've made it and it's good. Good to be catching up with you. Yeah. We've been spending about an hour and a half just catching up, I think. I know, yeah. I just realised the time, yeah, because we always do that, don't we? Before we record an episode, we always just catch up with each other on the video thing. Sounds so old saying that. But but yeah, it feels like it's been, yeah, it feels like it's been ages. And it's great because uh, the last time we recorded was January. And January just seemed to be going on forever. And it's just so nice to be able to say that it's no longer January, at least. But. But yeah, no, you mentioned you're on calls and I've got, I really feel for you. This is so horrible, the experience you had, but yeah, tell us. Most, most of it is self-inflicted, really. Like I realized that, so our on calls are Monday to Thursday when they're long days, 12 hours, eight to eight. And because I work at Mapworth and I drive from Ipswich, the re- the drive, particularly in the morning into Cambridge is a nightmare. The first. I think if there wasn't any other cars on the road, it'd probably take me about an hour and 10, maybe an hour and 15 minutes door to door. However, driving through Cambridge, there's so much traffic. And then driving into the car park, it takes ages. It's like this multi story with two barriers. And it's just really just, So it could easily take an hour and a half, sometimes up to two hours to get yeah. into it. And so by Thursday, like if, I, if I'm commuting in, in back and forth each day, I'm usually just exhausted. So I thought I'd be really clever and I'd book a hotel kind of near, uh, in Cambridge, about 15 minutes away. And I was so good. Oh my God. I was so organized. Like I packed a bag with like Jim Kibbs. I thought usually when I do these on calls, like I come back late, I'm knackered. Don't feel like eating anything healthy, junk food. So by Thursday, I really bloated and gross as well. It just really compounds the tiredness. So I took my gym kit. I took like Huel. I was like, I'm going to eat Huel every day, like, like portion controlled. And Monday was an absolute belter of a day. It was awful. Like it was so busy, lots of like difficult stuff. And so at the end I was like, oh, like I'm definitely motivated to go to the gym and de-stress. Mm. Had a quite good session, I have to say. And then I got to the, so I felt like, I thought oh, I'm going to have a good, like at the end of the shift, I was like, this is bad. I'm definitely going to need to go to the gym. So I phoned, 
the travel lodge, the, the hotel that I booked to say, look, um, I'm going to go to the gym after work. Are you okay with the check-in around midnight? And they're like, yeah. And then when I turn up to the hotel and the door's locked, <laughs> this guy, and I press the buzzer and this guy like sheepishly pops his head around and he's like, who are you? Um, what's your booking? And I was like, this is my name. He's like, can't find you. Oh, yes, I found you. You're booked for next week. No. <laughs> yeah, which is awful. And then he he goes, I'll let you in because you've got a booking. So I'm like talking to him and I, and I was like, is there any way that I can pay for today? And he was like, no, we're fully booked. And he was really helpful. Bless him. He was like, I can look around. Yeah. And there were like some other hotels where I could stay till morning for 120 pounds or something. And I had this kind of dilemma. Do I stick, like it's now midnight. Do I drive back to Ipswich? Or do I spend 120 pounds to just sleep in a bed for yeah. six hours? And I was like, oh, I've already blown how much money on this hotel. Mm. So then I thought, and he could, he was, he kept saying, oh, I'm really sorry. Really sorry. I'm like, oh, you know, what can you? And so then I drove back to Ipswich. When I got back to Ipswich at about half past one, Joe and the kids had gone to bed. She locked the front door. The keys were in the front door. So I couldn't even, even like, get in. in your own so I was like, bang, let me in. Let me in. Like, wake up the kids. Like, get in. And so obviously, well, this is for Tuesday. Oh. Like, I had maybe four hours sleep. It mm. was. And the next morning, I didn't take any of my overnight stuff with me because I was like, this is just what I'm going to have to do. I'm just going to have to drive back and forth every day. And then when I went to work, I emailed the Papworth people. And they were really the on-call rooms because I had emailed them advice in advance saying, oh, can I have an on-call room? And they said, no, it's booked up. And I, th- I told them my sub story and they're like, oh, we've done, might move some stuff around. So you can stay in the on-call room. But of course, at that point, I'd left all of my... You didn't have any of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So then I had to go to Sainsbury's and buy pants and socks. It's fine. I got to stay in the on-call room. You could have, <laughs> borrowed, you could have got a pair of those netty knickers that they use for theatre cases. <laughs> No, I'm far too, <laughs> you know. Oh, You're I, better like, than I make that. it feel like I'm so fussy. I'm better than yeah, that. No. But not that much better. because I No, they're see-through and they're also paper. No, that's your, yeah, yeah. you do deserve better than I'm that. I'm like one step. I'm like one yeah, just deviation. Just <laughs> yeah. I did that. And I'm glad I did, actually, because the next few days, well, my third, Thursday was fine. But, yeah, it was like a harrowing first day. And then I found out I got caught speeding. I know that's the thing that we saw today was that bloody speeding ticket. You cannot. Yeah, I was like, that was a terrible that. day. But I just yeah, want to know. Was, um, but I want to know who's fully booking a ho- like a travel lodge near Papworth on a Monday night. I, I want to know, I know what that is. Oh, what's going on? It, it was yeah, and it wasn't a very nice hotel. It wasn't a very nice hotel. It was really. It's one of those really functional places. That I'm yeah, really yeah. Must have been a great or, concrete block. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that was awful. And then I think I, for some reason, I'm on, on call again in like two weeks' time. Oh, man. And we're like, oh, God. Not I again. Anyway, oh, mate. I am yeah. so glad that week is finished for you. My, my week was not nearly as bad. I definitely cannot complain. But I have some ARCP saga still ongoing. Yeah, you've been going with... through it too, actually. Veiled threats of GMC referral, which I'm then told, oh, don't worry about that. That doesn't apply to you. We say that to everyone. And then when I ask everyone, they're like, oh, no, I didn't have that on my blah, blah, blah. And just just like, trying to figure out. I just It's just so annoying because I engaged so hard with it this past year. Anyhow. I was 
as I added the last few bits of evidence to what they wanted for the review panel, which is next week, I was doing some safeguarding stuff and trying to reflect on it. And GP is just very, GP training, I should say, is very reflection heavy. You have, it's essentially every reflection you do ends up needing to be signed off by a supervisor. In my surgical portfolio, ISCP, I think it was, I don't know if it's still the same now. Yeah, your case-based discussions and your procedural-based assessments and stuff would all be signed off by a senior, but your reflections actually were like just yours. And so now I find it really hard that every single reflection, and we need at least 40 patient reflections, plus you have to reflect on every bit of CPD that you do, every bit of supporting documentation you add, everything needs to be reflected on. And throughout the year, I've been having a really tough time with that. And my boss is just like, I'm not happy with your reflections. You need to change whatever. And I, I just find it really hard because it's so personal. And I don't yeah. know how someone can say to you that your personal reflection is wrong. Yeah. yeah. So I've been trying to get do things to help me. So I've been like using formal reflective cycles, trying to look up names for emotions and feelings because I just yeah. I, I do generally do think it's a neurodiverse thing that I just can't I feel something but I just don't know what it is and and then I don't know how to describe that and my boss is like you need to make your reflections personal to you and how does it make you feel yeah. and I'm like I can extrapolate like meaning from a situation so if some if I had a patient interaction I can learn something from it but I don't know what it means for me and and I just kept going around to this cycle and he was just like, but I don't know how you don't know. And then I was like, but I don't know how you don't understand how I don't know. And <laughs> just kept going back and forth. So yeah. I, tweet, I tweeted about it and it seemed to resonate with quite a few people. And it might not be hmm. a completely neurodivergent thing, but I think it, that is something to it. And I think there is something about being very open and personal in your reflections. And then other people seeing that, which just sits a little bit uneasy with me as as well. Yeah. And then there are lots of people who said, oh, just say anything to tick the box. And I'm like, you, you don't understand. I've tried that yeah. already. This is why I'm grasping at straws now. Because wh whenever I've tried that, it's just like, oh, that doesn't seem legit. So, I liked Dr. Aidan Barron's reply, which was yeah. the previous head of my medical school called it reflection at gunpoint. Yeah. After four years of medical school with monthly reflection at gunpoint, I became quite good at it, but still detested it. My anxious brain need does self-reflection a hundred times a day. So it seems funny, isn't it, to, for for someone who would probably ruminate, essentially that is reflected on things yeah. so much anyway. This is like your day, that's your daily yeah. experience. And to have someone go, no, you're not doing that right. But why is it, um, to play devil's advocate, can you play devil's advocate for them? Like, why is it that they have to sign off the reflections? What good sense is that? Yeah, I don't know. And I think... When I had, when I did my very first rotation, I think that's why I was a bit shocked because when I actually met with my supervisor at the end of the rotation, he was like, I can't see anything on your portfolio. And I was like, oh, mine, I can. And then suddenly realized that actually everyone had to be signed off. So this poor mm. man had to sit through 20 odd reflections, <laughs> oh, which he God. termed were abysmal <laughs> in one go because neither of us bloody realized that I should have been just actually sending them to him for review. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, a few people on the comments of that tweet I did made a good point about how, um, like, actually, this kind of training or education is not accessible to everyone. 
and I know it's really not a good way of of kind of assessing progression and ARCP and stuff, and I'm not sure what would be a better thing. And that's often the discussion that we have on Twitter at times. But it just doesn't, this kind of force, yeah, reflection at gunpoint is, is a really good way to put it. It just doesn't feel accessible. And I sometimes, I think some, we've all come across it, like some supervisors will just sign stuff off. Yeah, 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 and sure. I sometimes wish I had that because actually cool. that forced reflection is not what I do my learning. Like my learning happens on the job after every single patient interaction where I then write a little note to myself about what I've learned or some CPD or, oh, with this Which symptom, funny. I'll do this. And yeah, not just. Which funny enough is a reflection. Exactly. But not what they want. Because what does yeah. it mean to you? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I've got a feeling in my belly, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't was just, it yeah, something interesting. Doesn't, doesn't it remind you of those kind of bedside teachings and you'd go there and they'd be like, you get asked this question and it'd feel like you're just trying to guess the combination of words that the person yeah. wants you to say. And in the end, it turns right. out that you're answering it in like in a roundabout way. But. Yeah. So this, so I have this with my supervisor all the time in our, our tutorials. And again, I think it might be a neurodivergent thing, but I struggle to understand like nuance in things. So I always say to him, if you want to ask me a question, you just need to ask it outright so I can then establish like what you want me to say. When someone knows they've got the answer in their head of what they want you to get at, but they want you to get at it after they ask you a question. And sometimes it's a bit fluffy and I just sit there sometimes I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to get. I don't know I don't know where you're going with this and it's, that reminds me exactly of that bedside teaching because it's not like a general question that there's a right or wrong answer to it's the question that person is thinking for something in their head like the answer's in their yeah. head only and I'm just like just tell me or just ask me directly it's so hard so hard yeah, definitely you had there was another discussion about the nature of GP and GP oh, training yeah the supernumerary yeah um, so there's been like a lot of stuff this week about PAs. And again, I think absolutely I have lots of concerns about PAs in general, especially in primary care. And at the moment, I really don't see what they add to primary care. And that's a separate argument. But there was a lot of aggro this week about the previous kind of president of the Royal College of General Practitioners and people saying, oh, She's got a conflict of interest because her son's a PA, which actually wasn't true. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. This is all coming around. Anyhow, in part of that, the, the past president of the RCGP mentioned about how PAs don't work unsupervised in primary care, just like F2s don't because they're super, F2s are supernumerary. And someone was like, oh, apparently F2s are supernumerary. This is toxic. This is dangerous. This is cle <laughs> clearly just for backhanders to push PAs into practice. And I'm just like, no. That's a separate issue, but actually uh, these kind of, uh, uh, a lot of them are anonymous accounts. That's just a fact. And a lot of them go on about how PAs are being dishonest and not introducing themselves appropriately and misinformation. Whereas actually they're doing the same thing by saying that questioning the past president of the Royal College of General Practitioners, they're questioning how she is termed trainees. And I was well in there with the 2016 <laughs> junior doctor contract, schedule 1.10, if anyone's interested, that explicitly <laughs> says GP trainees, F2, GPST123 are contractually supernumerary in primary care. And I think 
what people somehow didn't realize, unfortunately, and sadly for them, is that doesn't equate to not being important. And that's absolutely not what I said. Supernumerary doesn't, you can still be very valuable and important to the team. And we are like, that's just a fact. But also, if you're not there, the practice still opens and it still runs. Yes, the capacity and the through, throughput might be lower, but I'm sorry, you, you're not the gel holding that practice together. Yes, they depend on you, but it's not yeah. crucial. And I think that's where supernumerary comes from. And that's how the contract is there. And that can help you then because people were saying to me, I've never felt supernumerary in primary care or that's not how it works. So my question to you is, what happened when you raise it? And no one does. Once One time for me, it happened where I was about to be the only doctor in the practice, which is completely in, uh, not allowed for trainees. And I raised it. It never happened again. And I think that's what I really get sad about is people just like venting on Twitter at the moment and nothing mm. being like brought up locally and raised locally about their own training. Like no one's advocating for themselves. I think that's just, it's just a shame. I mean, there's so many like actual things to get annoyed about. And so it's just to get annoyed about stuff that isn't, doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. It just, I guess like you kind of, like we end up saying, just undermines your whole. Yeah. Let's um, stick to the, the legitimate like concerns, isn't it? Like we don't need to be making up lies Conflict. about people's kids being PAs and whatever. Like Even the way that that came up, honest mistake, the way that these kind of accounts seem to react to being called, called out on it, they just don't do a very good job, do they, of just dialing it back no. in terms of deleting the stuff that kind of says yeah. they're wrong things. They just keep all up. There's like, these weird... That's yeah, weird half-assed apologies that are like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll take back that statement. It's that they, She said it's not true about her son, but my point still remains is that she's yeah. got a call. And I'm just like, just... Give over. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I feel ashamed for them. I really do. Yeah. I really do. Well, I guess they don't have to necessarily behave like responsible adults because they don't have to show any real responsibility. That's it, isn't yeah, it? That's right. You just hide behind your account. Yeah. Anyhow, so anyway. should we talk about our sponsors? After oh, we... gosh, yeah, yeah, we should do. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. So scrubs underscore UK, so it's spelled S-C-R-B-S underscore UK. They put you in scrubs. Uh, they make comfortable, fitting, practical, durable, and really very good-looking scrubs. And they are... Great for the clinical setting. So anyone who works in a clinical setting, healthcare scientists, doctors, nurses, vets, dentists, they're perfect for you. And if you use our promo code, which is 2medics, T-W-O-M-E-D-I-C-S-10, you get 10% off. Do, I do really recommend them. I do really recommend them. I was wearing mine during my own calls. I'd say I was a bit nervous wearing them after Christmas, but yeah. <laughs> But they've got a good stretch on them. Suitable They're good. stretch, good. That's what we like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely check them out. Use our promo code. Treat yourself. Although I always find that in January, like now January's gone, I'm just, I'm going to definitely be limping along to February, March oh, time. Oh, yeah. Well, the economics of things is tough. Yeah, it's gosh, tough. yeah. That's very oh, good. God. Diplomatic like, way of putting it. Yeah. 
It's hard. It's hard. Finding oh. my belts, literally, mm. and loosening them in other yeah. ways. So definitely use that promo code and check them out if you can afford it. <laughs> yeah. can but we won't be offended if not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll <laughs> definitely check them out. You did this really... After this funny treat was, was by Trauma Soapboxes. It says, nobody talks about how being in healthcare ages you long years. <laughs> like, I've been a nurse almost 21 years, which has aged me 84 years. What job do you reckon has aged you the Very good question. It's got to be... <laughs> I think it was my very first F1 job mm. in respiratory because that was like a baptism of fire yeah it was a split right. it was a split post and it was two months in a a ventilation inpatient center which was like a mini itu for tracky people and it was for acute and chronic things so quite sheltered as in it was a consultant ward round every day and then an sho and, and me and i didn't really do anything on my own apart from blood gases every morning <laughs> and yeah, uh, sure. bloods but the uh, the latter two halves Latter two, the last, the second, so the latter half, God, I can't speak. The latter half of the former yeah. rotation was then yeah. on the respiratory ward, which was ah. I have never experienced anything like it. So there was no reg in post, there was no SHO in post. Yeah. It was just brutal. I remember there was another F one. She was on one half of the ward. I was on the other. There was some days I wasn't leaving till nine o'clock at night. It was just like being a brand new doctor. I just did not. I don't. I don't know what happened, but. Something changed in me during that time. I have never been the same since. Hard to ask if you would have enjoyed it. But was there a part of you that did? Or were you like, I'm an F1, this is a terrible decision? Yeah, I did. So I I was very nearly close to quitting medicine altogether. Like I really wanted to, I just thought this, I did not sign up for this because it was, I I became, the really good thing about it is I became really friendly with with a lot of the nurses I was working with on that ward. Mainly because I think they just felt very sorry for me. <laughs> it was just brutal. Like it was so short staffed. And I tried to raise it. And then was the foundation program director was like, oh, is this you whistleblowing? You need to be aware of the concept and all this stuff. And when you're very oh, young God. and naive, you just didn't yeah, like, yeah. now I would not Whistles. have stood for it whatsoever. And it was just, yeah. And then I, I was my, I started to become like really interested in like, kind of mental health and psychology I thought oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and become a clinical psychologist <laughs> instead I'm gonna leave this behind me but I'm glad I stuck it out because it was just a very formative experience and I felt like my general medical skills after that were good like they, they had to be because you just did everything yourself so in terms of going on to next jobs I thought if I could survive that then <clears throat> I'm okay I'm gonna be okay yeah fair enough did, did I mean, your, did, was it your last week in last week in Papworth? Did that age you eighty-four years? Yeah. <laughs> I think the good thing about no, like often when I have bad days at work, the thing there are obviously things that are difficult about the job, and mm. I think I find that it's more decision-based now rather than workload-based. If yeah. not, it's often like making harder decisions or cut. More and they, and they feel a little bit less. I think because there's more response, it feels like there's more responsibility about them rather yeah. than feeling crushed by the overwhelmingness of their workload. Which so often I have to remind myself, oh, it was worse here, or it was worse yeah. there. One of the things I find 
difficult about the own calls where I am now though, is that when you get a bleep, you get bleep twice. So if someone like calls you, your bleep goes off twice and it's a particularly loud bleep. And sometimes during the course of the day, there are quite a few test calls and stuff that are really loud. And I find oh, that I'm like quite averse. testicles then? Kind of... Sorry, testicles, loud. Yeah, testicles. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's so, what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, testicles. Like, you know, um, the cardiac arrest call. Oh, yeah. The PCI test calls. They're all really loud. And mm. I find them really overstimulating. Yeah. But that's by the by, I suppose. But no, my, definitely my worst job was HPV surgery as an F1. That was my second job. I'd come from like a busy job in respiratory. And I think mm. I'd gotten... I felt I'd gotten good reviews. I remember yeah, thinking of myself reviews, as like a good yeah. F1. TripAdvisor, so yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Five stars. So I was going to this job being like, oh, I handle surgery. It's a lot of medicine, right? It's a lot of medicine surgery, fine. And I went there and I hated it. I hated oh. it so much. Oh my God. And the thing was, is that at that point, I thought I wanted to be a surgeon. Like, throughout med school, I was like, I want to be a surgeon. And then I was like, going on these wardrobes with these fridges. And I was like, I can't identify with these guys at all. Mm. They just seem so arrogant. I remember Alien. once there was this... Yeah, literally. I remember there was this one, the HPB, and there was this one person, a young man who was in his 40s. He had young kids at home, I remember. And his wife was, he was real, he was basically palliative. And I remember that Reg is joking outside the room when we'd seen him about how if they didn't, if, so he, the plan was for him to go home to die. And they were joking about if they weren't fast enough with the ambulance, they'll die like in the ambulance. And they're like, quick, quick. And, but they were saying it in this like really like jokey way. Yeah. And I still remember where I was stood whilst these regs were like joking about it. And I, it was running through in my head, the awfulness of the situation. Like I remember seeing the wife had like a sleeping bag and was in the room. And I remember just, you know, like when you could just see the, the kind of preemptive grief, like on her face. And I remember thinking about these registrars, these, are, these guys are dickheads. Like I could never work with them. Mm. And at that point. That kind of threw up to me, oh God, what am I going to do? But also the days were so busy, we'd go, go in at like seven to get the blood folder ready. Oh yeah, and, get all the results. And for ages, yeah. I was never having lunch and I would stop going to the gym because I was finishing seven, eight o'clock and I'd be knackered and I'd, I'd have to be up the next morning. And mm. I hated it. I remember like phoning the BMA for like advice. Oh my God, I want to quit medicine and I, I hate my life and all this kind of stuff. And that definitely aged me. Like when I finished that job, yeah. I remember being like, I remember thinking a few things. One was that it helped me in the sense that one, it helped me know that I don't want to do surgery. Like I don't want to be around people like that. Mm-hmm. And two, I think it told me about, it gave me an idea at least of like how you treat the juniors. And I still remember it. And just thinking like how simple it would be to like just ask, junior like how they are yeah how simple such a basic just to decency say, well, yeah 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 like we'll say well done i remember like once feeling particularly punished on a ward round and just like walking around in this ward round, the surgical ward round with like tears in my eyes like oh, hating it so much yeah and so but i still remember it i still remember it so yeah that definitely aged me it definitely aged mm. me. Yeah. yeah those experiences i think that's why it's so hard for people outside of medicine sometimes to understand those experiences and there is something to do with the collective trauma of those that you have with some of your colleagues of a similar generation, isn't it? Because I just, all professions have really shit periods, but I think it's quite a unique shit period that unless you've experienced that, 
it's so hard to I remember trying to tell my parents about things in my job and they were like oh can you not just tell your boss I was like I don't have a boss there is no consultant yeah. on the board there is nobody and it's just yeah it, I, I do like I don't regret anything I've done and I learned from everything but I'm not sure I'd be happy to repeat those kind of jobs in a minute yeah yeah true it's funny because every so often I think about that job and the people that are involved there and I wonder where they are and one of the mm. regis who is particularly nasty is now a consultant there and I kind of wonder because obviously so I did HVB at Addenbrooke's which is like next door and yeah. I like wonder like if I was to like bump into these people now because I think about this is more than 10 years ago how what the dynamic could be like now. yeah because yeah. I had so much like, respect for them and I used to like like you, as you were saying you you don't know what you can say and what and what's acceptable and what's not and you hope that they'll look out for you but they don't no and knowing what you know now like coming up across these bullies like how would you deal with them no that's yeah. true and I and I think that as well, because I think about similar lines sometimes, because I've come across somebody on Twitter who was a registrar of mine in a surgical specialty when I was an F1. And she was so horrible, right. really horrible. <laughs> and I just kind of completely forgot about her until I saw her name pop up on Twitter of the last year or so. Right. And I just Does thought, she funny? I think she might. Yeah, I think she might. And oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to oh. say any names, but what I couldn't believe is, and we, this is not a new thing and people have said this before, but it's the persona online and how different yeah, yeah. that is. And I generally think sometimes if I was to meet you again or work with you again in person, would you now be that Twitter person or would you just go back to yeah. how you were when I was that F1 and you were absolutely vile to me? And, oh my God, um, you have to tell me who that is after. Yeah, it's just strange, isn't it? Like, I just, yeah. I yeah, wonder, but oh talking gosh, about some tea. some tea. There's some tea. <laughs> they were talking about aging. <laughs> I like this tweet. And there's not much to say about this one, but it was, it looks like it was a tweet from a conference that I don't quite know what it was. Yeah. But essentially, the slide just showed if you have bigger biceps, then evidence based research shows that you have less dementia. I love that. Less dementia. You, you so, Jamie gonna, Sherrington, Chris Wilde, you're going to be, you're going to be, lads. yeah, GCS 21 for the rest Lovely. of your lives, man. That is not. No cognitive impairment <laughs> yeah, in you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Beautiful. Do some curls. Do some curls. For, uh, yeah. What's it called? Oh my God. Of the brain, there's the curly Salsa bits. and gyri. Gyri. Ah, yeah. so curls Salsa for the gyri. gyri. I don't know. Yeah. There's a joke in there. We'll work on that one. Yeah. We'll work on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to. I feel like there is a joke in there. There's something potential. in there. Yeah, there's, there's good to know that. It's not just, when you do bicep curls, it's not just for vanity. You know, I'll just, like, give you a little insight. Once, a little insight, that sounds so patronizing. But as an insert, my Let me educate you on physical activity. Yeah, educate yeah. it. <laughs> educate you on, on my insecurities. I remember <laughs> once someone saying like, oh, if you just do biceps, that's just half your arm. If you want your arm to look really big, you do the triceps as well. You do the back as well, yeah. Do the, yeah, do the back of it. So then you double the potential. <laughs> That, so that and must then, be like left and right brain being taken care of then. Mate. Yeah, it was. But then the thing was, is that I gave up on that, like in terms <laughs> of the, like when you start going to the gym, it is, I certainly for me anyway, it's so that you want to look like better and whatever. Yeah. And to like impress 
probably women. I don't know. How <laughs> ladies are men? Yeah. <laughs> Press the ladies. Well, it tends to happen is after a little while, you don't care anymore. And it's more the guys you're checking out. Yeah, the, yeah. And guys don't care. Guys don't care about biceps. They don't. They don't care. But they That's do so care funny. about big triceps. So if do you've got they? nice delts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guys, what they go for. Could yeah. But because they correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but like, delts are like nice bulbous yeah. shoulders. They're nice really shoulders, hard to achieve. Yeah. And, big, and big triceps. These are the things to do. Oh my God, I did not kind of tweet about kind of unconventional things that people find attractive and one thing that also people notice in the gym is your forearms and a few people have said that they are quite like girthy do you like a forearm i like a good veiny forearm that sounds awful (laughs) but no but you know what i mean when it's all pumped and stuff i need to stop talking This I'm going to edit the hell out of that. I'm going to edit the hell out of that. I've Beth, and just all of a veiny. That's one. <laughs> but, all yeah, all pumped out. Yeah. This is maybe the, the not safe for work only fans edition of the yeah. podcast. <laughs> but no, but that's... God, for, sorry. That makes me think, though, for women, obviously we have this thing about bingo wings, apparently. I don't think I care. I, my arms just look like sausages anyway. But the bingo wings must be the triceps then, because it's the back, isn't it? Like that's what you uh, want to get. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So you just want to make them. That guys want those wings. Then. Yeah. They're all oh, those wings. The, so so no, a, a wing bottom. is the a wing is like the flabby bit of like thing that hangs down there. Your tri- but, Your tricep. Yeah, but not. But then it's not toned. It's just got a fat layer yeah, on it, so it's just very large very and not. wobbly. But, <laughs> But yeah, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, so maybe just what I think about when every time I think about biceps is I think of that Simpsons episode where Homer does it with one arm, like the bicep curls, and he gets one massive muscular arm. And then the other arm is just right. completely, just not like withered. Because he, he just does it with one arm. But but ah. yeah, so more, so biceps means no dementia. Well, this, oh yeah, fair enough. I thought you were going to say the, the phrase that I used, which is, Curls for girls, tries for guys. Oh, yeah, very good, very good. Anyway, so moving on, the state pension yeah. age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is, back uh, to it. Back to it. Up, yeah, yeah, back to it. Has been moved up to seventy-one. Is that in the UK? That's in the UK. So it's not official. Oh, we're going to be working forever. It's not official yet, but oh, experts okay. say blah 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 that it's going to soon need to rise to twenty-one. And there was this. I love that meme of that. Yeah. Sorry, it's 21, yeah, 71. Yeah, I'd love to retire what? at 21. But there's that meme of an old lady walking with a Zimmer frame and someone's supporting her. And she says, oh, back in my day, people could stop working when they get old. And the carer's, sure, sweetie, let's get you back to your desk. It's just this little old granny <laughs> with a Zimmer frame. But yeah, someone pointed out the life expectancy of men in Glasgow is just, it's just over 71 and a half years. God. So the state pension age is, is it, people were saying like, could How it convenient. be? Yeah, could it be higher than life expectancy at, at one point, which is just scary, isn't it? And the thing is, is that the thing that does, I was looking up. Oh, I don't know where the kind of comment came from, but they're like, if you think about where actual life expectancy is, what mid, like mid seventies or whatever, that means that actual middle age. It's your mid thirties, and Gosh, yeah. what they're they're waiting till so. It's 
I, I get, I totally get now why Zoomers are like, I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. Like, it's just ridiculous because what are we really like working to, like what okay. comfort, like if you look at all the comforts that were um, bestowed upon previous generations and all the things they can look forward to, like home ownership and security there, yeah. like reasonable wages and low prices. Yes. I'm like, okay. They didn't have as many avocados or the internet. They didn't have Netflix, but yeah. I think we'd happily give those up in in return for some job security and the, the ability to actually enjoy retirement and the kind of twilight years of your life yeah and instead that's all just getting sold down the river it's hard not to get incredibly angry about it absolutely absolutely i just how does it who is it that's suggesting it is it the tory i guess it's just because of I, I think it's just um, i think it must be to do with maybe paying out pension and maybe the workforce or such because I guess that I, I don't know if this is where the experts come from but I guess is there even not enough money in the pot for pensions yeah in terms of people will have to be over 71 for them to afford state pension is that an element yeah so this this person who's made the statement is Les Mayhew the associate head of global research at the International Longevity Center and the author of the report state pension age and demographic change in the UK state pension age would need to be 70 or 71 compared to 66 now to maintain the status quo of the number of workers per workforce. state pensioner. Oh, I guess it's, oh yeah, as you say. Oh, imagine us sitting, imagine you doing a stent at 71. Imagine me doing a fucking clinic, oh, sorry, a bloody clinic at 71. <laughs> Just <laughs> all the youth coming in and then this decrepit yeah. old granny who's a GP. It's, yeah. This, it's very, top. it's actually quite topical at the conference I went to. A lot of the interventional consultants were, were talking about that because if you think about like primary PCI and when a lot of, so there was a lot of growth when that service like developed and those, there were loads of consultant jobs and those consultants who took those jobs are kind of get like mid fifties approaching their sixties. And they're saying that like primary PCI on calls now are quite busy. Like you can expect to be called in several times a night. And so and they are looking at the likelihood of waking up as a 60 plus year old person and coming in at two, three in the morning to do an angioplasty. And as because people are getting older, the angioplasties are, um, have the potential to be quite complicated. Mm. And it's like, do you really want that? And they're like talking about how sustainable that is from their perspective, but also good outcome perspective. Yeah. And then they say, well, actually, as you get older, a lot of it's kind of decision-based and and whether the consultant jobs should reflect that. And it is, it's crazy, isn't it? How the knock-on effect also of the economy being so terrible and the fact that people are having fewer children and whatever, and then that just compounds things. It's awful, isn't it? All these chickens coming home to roost. It is. And I think as well, in terms of specialties, like you're saying about intervention, interventionalists, Ops and Gainey as well is notoriously a specialty mm. that even as a consultant, there's a lot of resident on call, isn't it? Because of, of yeah. the nature. And imagine being a resident on call at 71 for Ops and Gainey. It's just, there's nothing quiet about that specialty. Do you know what I mean? It, when shit hits the fan, it really hits the fan. And yeah. at least in GP, I can, I can sit down behind a desk all day. That's the one saving great. That's, who knows what GP will be like? Oh, we have exactly. like 30 second appointment. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm sure. And, and 
You'll have to be like, yeah, well, and, they'll um, take their brain chip out. I'll download that into my computer and I'll be like, yeah. oh, yeah, you just need a bit of folate for three months. Next. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and you'll be doing everything. You'll oh be gosh. doing the blood tests. And I'll be out and source the GP. You'll be doing like the ECG, <laughs> yeah. the echo. And because oh. it's all there, we're doing some vaccination. Totally. Some just because they're there. All in 30 seconds. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring it, yeah. bring it on. Doing their teeth. Your <laughs> dentist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jack mate. of all trades, master of trades. none, literally. Mate. But all of the trades. I had to include a couple of the next two are cardiology flavored because I thought, yeah, had to, oh, no. had what to keep this? you on the intrigued oh, yeah, side away. of the side of the. This is a tweet from Josh Trebak. He says, "Me in first months of med school working with a cardiologist." Oh, he starts well. <laughs> Doc, okay, let's go see this patient. Remember, they're recovering from the cabbage last week. Oh, that's a cabbage joke. I see a bypass gastric. <laughs> Me, the what? Dog, the cabbage. And then he goes, yeah, I guess cabbage can make me gassy too, but a week seems a bit excessive. Uh, We've all been there. We've all been there. This is the problem with bloody abbreviations, isn't it? It's true. I have to say, I'm not a big fan of the term cabbage for that joke. What do you call Uh, it as as an abbreviation? Do you just say coronary artery bypass graft? Okay, yeah. I say bypass. and That's if people think about vascular, yeah, yeah. If people think about vascular bypass, then they're just they're, the only people who think about vascular bypasses are the vascular surgeons. Everyone else will just know what that. you mean. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, you did a tweet about bad ECG tracing. Yeah. Oh, I I saw a nurse once who had a tattoo on the back of her people neck. Love it. It was bad. It was like VF. That's it. So this is exactly what this tweet is saying. So this tweet, so the, the handle's amazing. So at Swoon Gans, oh, yeah. that's pretty incredible. Every yeah, time yeah, yeah. nursing merchandise with scraggly ECG tracings are purchased, a patient dies of polymorphic BT. Polymorphic Do BT. your part, yeah, just yeah. say no. And then in the picture, they've got some embroidered polymorphic. Yeah, jackets. And it's got the name of the nurse and the emergency department. And then because it's a medical person, of course, they've got a heart and a fake ECG tracing symbol and that snake symbol thing. But that's it. It's just people with tattoos and stuff. And you're just like, why would you have that? It's not even a real, like, where's your QRS complex? Where's your P wave? Yeah. yeah. And it can't it's even like... be hard to do that because they've made it more complicated by having VT. Yeah. I think if people want authentic ECGs, they could just ask a cardiologist. And just, it's like the thing is, yeah. When people do stuff in like another language, and then it'll be like spring roll or something. Yeah, there's they always have. There was a big like spate of tattoos, wasn't it? Like Chinese symbols and stuff. And they were like, "Do you know actually you know what that means? Like, how would you know?" Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh, this next one. That's also it. Reminds me. So you you did a you copied a tweet from Dr. Rebecca Gibson. Do you want to read this one out? Yeah, I love this. So she says, so this is her handle is at our Gibson girl. For a small fee, I will go to your enemy's conference presentation, be the first one to raise my hand and have more a comment than a question for three or four of whatever, t- also for three quarters of whatever time is allotted for questions. For a bit extra, I'll make sure to remind them of how tenuous their argument is. I can tell you right now that at that conference that I was at, pretty much, I'm not exaggerating. Literally about 80 to 90% of the interruptions, people had their hands up. They were all for comments. I don't get it. Is it that you just need to say your piece because you love the sound of your own voice? 
it's not your work that's being presented. So unless you've got a, a question about that specifically, no one cares. Like, yeah, it's what well, you want to be giving that talk, don't you? Maybe you should be doing. Maybe that you should. Maybe you should put your like... poster in. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I just love how it's yeah from an enemy point of view. Like, I will for a fee. I will be that person. I would do that yeah. for free, to be honest. That would be quite entertaining. I, yeah, it's true. I feel like I, I can. I can say that it is as a speaker having someone open with that line. You just don't know how it's going to go, right? It is mm. is bum cheek squeaky, clenchy, yeah, like yeah, oh, but, oh, oh yeah, what's going to come, come now? Yeah. Oh god! And then yeah, I don't know. It's nice when they add stuff, so, so, mm. and then people start asking them questions or whatever, and maybe then deflecting away from you. But this, yeah, literally ninety percent of the stuff of that recent conference is all that. Yeah. Um, what that says just start charging we'll start charging yeah and do it so i know unintended so this is at yeah sean dreyer as in d-r-e-y-e-r and is it sean as in s-e-a-n i don't know why i spelt it in reverse order but <laughs> yes I, I, I don't mix, know mi- remix remix and unintended side effect of medical training is accumulating names like this in your phone contacts alex surgery Pharmacy Joe, Elise resident, tall medical student. What do you have? So I've got, I'm just looking through now. I've got, I won't say their name. So I've got, oh, I've got Andrew Alderhey. He's obviously from Boston. <laughs> I've got Ben Frailty. Nice. <laughs> I've, so, I've got someone called <laughs> Yvonne Support. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> nice. don't know what she was supporting me through at that time. <laughs> I've got a Burns, but I don't think it's actually a surname oh, Burns. No. I think it must be an actual Burns person. Oh, I've got a Stee CrossFit. That must have been when I was oh, trying wow. CrossFit, but obviously that right. didn't last for long. Oh gosh, I've got various passwords and PIN numbers from what I do not do not know. Oh, we've got good old language line in there. That's not... That's, oh, that's, that's really that's, useful. That's, that's a must. Oh, I've got Charlotte here. She must be something to do with here. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, and then I've got a collection. So I'm, I'm on the H's now, and I've got a collection of hoes, which must be house officer. What? But they also, oh, so they, I've got about nine hoes. Ho Lewis, oh, yeah. Ho Michael, Ho Sarah, nice. Ho Kath. Just a, a black book of hoes. So my, I've got <laughs> cardio IMT1. I've got EP fellow, someone. And I've got radiographer, a few radiographers. Irene. From Ipswich Hospital. Oh, good old diary. Cardiology SHO, cardiology SPR, LNUH. Oh, that's useful to know that they were from <laughs> Norwich. In case I forgot. Occupational Health, Colchester. Oh, God. Um, what else have we got? God, um, there's a lot of shit in here. Oh, I've got. Oh, I've got something from HEE. Wow. Yeah, I'm really important. Connection. Yeah? Oh, I know. Connection. I am the person to know. Mid Essex Hospital, Stephanie. Um, don't, don't remember her. Sorry. Oh, well, I've Sorry, got yeah. a, I've got a Stephanie Pups in Need Rescue. I wonder who. I wonder oh, if they know oh, each that's other. A nice yeah. One. That's a nice one. I've got. Oh my god! I've got so many. Oh, I've so got, ja- crazy, I've got James. Really. I've got a James coordinator. Which yeah. is either that's either a really cool surname or is a was a theatre coordinator in a past life. Right. Yeah. 
And oh, Locum Payroll. Nice. Oh, excellent. Classics, isn't it? That's the most important one. But yeah, that's the sign, I think, isn't it? That you just have a, a collection. I've got of one her. I definitely don't need anymore, which is RTP slash SRO slash no reply at Oriel.com. Oriel. Oh. You say that now, but when you decide yeah, to do another training is. program, Sarusha, you'll be need you'll be yeah, needing that again. Yeah. You'll be needing I'll that be, again. I'll be in the DMs all over again. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But oh, um, okay, t- talking about workplaces and stuff, and I saw this oh. article this week, and it really resonated because I think I recognise myself in this with this kind of ARCP GMC threat saga I'm going with at the moment. And it was an article and the headline said, autistic employees more likely to speak up about workplace issues, study fine. Oh, I did read this. And I yeah. was just like, actually, I think, I think that's a fair point to me. And I was thinking back all, about many times during my 10 years as a qualified doctor of this kind of overwhelming sense of needing to get justice or being pissed off at something and then just like a dog with a bone, just not letting it go and trying to raise it. And like the same as this issue currently now, people like there's bigger things to worry about. Like you need to let it go, which I don't agree with. And it similar to what I was saying earlier on about speaking up for your own training and yourself and being in positions yeah. where it's not safe and then just maybe venting on Twitter and not actually doing anything about it locally. It's mm. and, I, and I thought, oh, that's interesting how maybe as it's saying, kind of autistic people are, or neurodiverse maybe even, just are more likely to speak up. And I wonder what that is. Yeah. The sad is, obviously there's a positive element to that, which is about advocacy. But obviously on the flip side, there's the kind of sad reality of it, which is that people rely on them to bring on change. And the amount of the emotional and psychological cost of that which and the toll it takes the injury that occurs as a result of being seen as a difficult or challenging person yeah just makes life even harder isn't it definitely and i wondered as well is it that autistic people are faced with more workplace issues anyway because of who they are and they're not catered for or that things are not as accessible for autistic people is it that they stand up more for workplace issues because they are encountering more workplace issues but someone made a, a good comment about this as well and actually said it's not that they are more likely to speak up often it's that they try to they are more likely to try to speak up and that actually many get fired and forced out as a result which is a shame and that's always the bit like I get why people might be scared and, and worried about kind of the outcomes and stuff but yeah I felt felt a bit vindicated I'm like oh, maybe I can just say that's just part of my brain and, and who I am like that I just yeah, no, makes can't, sense. can't let things go there's that whole thing isn't it about the strong sense of justice yeah so I guess yeah it's really there. interesting that yeah do you link the tweet that talks about you mostly uh, copied in the thread which is so ex- about excellent practice meeting the needs of autistic people in healthcare and uh, it was about a patient who arrived with his mother uh, who was autistic and said that he gets seizures when he's overstimulated. And um, so this doctor got handed his file. There's a letter from the neurologist and what accompanied that file. And the neurologist had said that the seizures came on with extreme pain, anxiety, 
The patient had been extensively investigated. There was no neurological basis for this problem. In the event of a pseudo-seizure in inverted commas, the advice was, do not give anticonvulsants. This episode will quickly pass. They go on to see the patient, Riop, a young man in his 20s, a little unkempt, but alert, oriented, polite, very intelligent, accompanied by his mother. He said he'd had multiple anesthetics in the past and that with each hospital admission, he'd suffered at least one seizure. Oh, gosh. Staff didn't seem to think they were serious. They obviously distressed both him and his mother greatly. I asked what he thought brought them on, uh, to which his reply was, I don't know, feeling overwhelmed maybe. I asked if injections or cannulas brought them on. No, I'm fine with needles. I told him my job was to make sure he was safe, that I had a plan, and that I would walk him through every step to see what he and his mum saw. And so there'd be no surprises. They seemed to like it, so I told them I needed a few more minutes to get things ready. I went back to the endoscopy room and got the whole team together for a briefing. This sounds really good. Just yeah, that it's good, isn't it? it? Yeah. You could tell that they're like a really thoughtful person. I asked for all the lights to be dimmed, blinds closed, and all unnecessary alarms muted. That in itself would be yeah, delightful never for everyone. Have, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I asked them to prepare and position in advance whatever equipment was needed because as soon as the patient was wheeled in, the room needed to be below 10, also known as sterile cockpit. And this is like an aviation term mm. I later find out. Below 10 meant not only that everyone and everything needed to be quiet, it meant everyone in the room needed to focus on and support the critical task, in this case, anesthetic induction. Until the patient was asleep and the airway secure, they agreed, got the room ready. We wheeled the patient into the room. Hi, everyone. We're below 10, is what they said. We could still see when my reg inserted the camera under iPhone light. Monitoring was applied without sound off. HFNO, I don't know what that means. High flow nasal um, oxygen. Oh, I see. A little midazolam of fentanyl, slow proof of fall infusion, and he drifted off to sleep. Fonta's happy with the airway. Thanks, everyone. We're above 10. Lights up. Alarms on gastroscopy done without incident at the end okay folks we're below 10 again lights down alarms muted silent emergence in the room he awoke calm and happy we took him to pacu later he said to me please write down for me what you did it was the best oh. hospital experience i've ever had you're the first doctor who's ever believed me everything we do in social technical was a conclusion that's nice it's so lovely that and i just that's individualized care isn't it? And that's yeah. someone who is just listening to the patient and actually such simple things to be able to accommodate their needs. And I just, it worries me how many people, not just neurodiverse, but people with kind of other, with mental health issues, mental illness, other physical health issues that struggle to access the care that they need because of either people being not understanding or not believing or just not being aware and just thinking that Lots of people have this thing, or they're a bit wet, or they're a bit soft, or whatever. But actually, like it's it's big stakes, isn't it? And to ruin someone's experience of healthcare in one kind of communication or one event that can jeopardize their ability to access healthcare for the rest of their lives because they're not going mm, to want to. Absolutely, and that's incredibly dangerous. And just something like this is just so important, simple, and fulfilling. And now that person will hopefully be able to access healthcare again in the future and not worry about having a horrible seizure, whether it's a pseudo seizure or, or not, isn't it? So yeah. fair play. So that was his name on Twitter is nose colored glasses, Stavros uh, Prineas, whose handle is nose C glasses, C the letter C. Yeah. Yeah. Big love for that. And then there are a few people asking 
at the end, including myself, what the below 10 really meant. And Richard Bowles answered helpfully. He said, I think it comes from aviation below 10,000 feet and the most critical cockpit activities occur, sterile cockpit roll. And then, and then naturally in the neurodiverse way, there was a question that said, I still don't understand what that means. And I was <laughs> oh, like, it means just shut up and yeah. focus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I didn't realize there was even a name for that because I'm thinking back to like neurosurgery days. And sometimes mm. in peds, we'd have helicoptered patients coming in and that we would be like waiting by the doors for them to come. And we'd all have it in our heads, like everybody was there and we'd be like, we'll push it down this corridor, we'll go to this theatre. When we're in theatre, anaesthetists are going to anaesthetise in the theatre. And we'd all have this thing and there'd be like a big group of us waiting. And as soon as that helicopter was landing, like we all just went quiet, but we all just knew what to do. Mm. And it just happened. And then when the patient was anaesthetised and the operation had started and we were past the critical steps, the sound came back mood and changes. mood changes. And I just, I didn't know that there was a terminology or a name for that. And yeah, yeah, that's really good. I think there's this whole, there was this thing I noticed, I think a cuff manager was talking about, because sometimes like if something happens in a critically in a case and it goes from being routine to suddenly to, there's a complication. Yeah. And then, but sometimes people don't always pick up on it mm. and whether you have like a word so I guess to say like below 10, to let people know that they can't be chatting amongst themselves and that they need to pay attention to what's going on because something's happened yeah. without panicking everyone and being like, oh God, the horrible things happen. Um, so saying below 10 and having that idea that essentially what you're telling people to do is to focus and pay attention and yeah. bring their A game. And yeah, it's really great. Yeah, a really, really good example. Another good thing from this week or the week before was Elmo. Did you see um, what poor Elmo from Sesame Street got oh, himself? It was, yeah, I did see that. This was just so wholesome. So essentially Elmo, the little red lovely guy from Sesame Street, tweeted mm. something. I think it was something as innocuous as just checking How's in. How today? is everyone doing today? And yeah. oh my gosh, the world somehow just needed that collectively. And it just went crazy. Everybody was replying and some people called it like a trauma dump. But it was obviously a question that people needed to be asked and people needed to be able to say what they needed to say. And yeah. it was just so lovely. Even all the other Muppets then got yeah, on board from their some, accounts and I they know, were tweeted. People were saying it was like Avengers Assemble. Yeah. Like they all came to like help. I was like, oh, wow, well, this is... Sesame Street is awesome, isn't it? Is it there is like nothing so pure? Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. and I just loved how, like how that had captured people and just yeah. opened that get door for people to say stuff. And I think he, he came back. I say he is if he's a real person. To me, he is. Like after this, yeah, yeah. but the account the next day was, oh, thank you for sharing with me. Elmo cares. And yeah. I was like, oh, gosh. Okay. but it's sad, I, isn't it? Like how people don't get asked that question enough. It's true. To be able or to Or they say. get asked it, but it's while someone's like walking. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's hey, just, how are you? Oh, yeah. Or it's just like, yeah, fine, thanks. It's just like reflex, yeah, yeah. isn't it, sometimes? Yeah. I think when I when Lily was small, I remember just like reading somewhere about the truly educational children's programs that there are. And Sesame Street is the one that's kind of evidenced. Mm-hmm. And it was devised yeah. with like psychologists and stuff yes. in mind. It is great. And so I used to try and put that on chat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it's a boots of a show. 
But also not so good this week was also the Greg Wallace stuff. I don't know if you saw that from last weekend. No. Who's Greg Wallace? So Greg Wallace is one of one, oh, the, host, Chef, the host from MasterChef. Yeah. Right. And he did this. It was one of the articles in in The Guardian, I think it was, where they do My Saturday and they talk about what is involved in his Saturday. And I'm afraid to say that this kind of wasn't parody. And this guy is just, he's not a good guy. So he's, Greg spelt with a double G. And years ago, there was this thing of, of someone tweeted him and say, oh, can you retweet my link for charity? I'm doing a, I'm doing a cycle for kind of this cancer charity. And Greg Wallace was right in there. And he was like, oh, it's actually Greg with two Gs. And this guy replied and just said, oh, master twat. Don't, don't worry don't worry about the oh don't worry this is just for, for people with cancer but yeah of course just make sure that you've got your extra g in there but g it's, in there. so this was his saturday and, and this man has not shown himself in glory because he's his previous articles about his he has a son who's autistic and non-verbal and he's wrote kind of interviews with him before saying about how if he could change him he would and all stuff like this just really not nice so for this for greg wallace this saturday he apparently wakes up at five. He reads for an hour, um, and uh, he said he'll, he'll look at the sign-up oh numbers uh, for his website. He works out at the seven o'clock. He works out five days a week, but he goes to the gym half an hour before it opens, and they let him in earlier. And nice. someone made a bitchy comment and said, "Like his gym were protecting the public by allowing him in like <laughs> earlier on his own." So he says what he does and treadmill, blah blah blah. Then he meets his personal assistant at a harvester at 10.30am for a breakfast. Bacon, sausage and egg. People say to me, I didn't expect to see you here. But I say, look, they do grilled chicken. There's a salad bar and I've never been disappointed. One and a half hours later, he goes back home. It's already time for lunch. His wife, Helen, apparently cooks up a uh, white bean soup. At 1.30pm for a grand total of 90 minutes, he says he spends time with his four-year-old son who's non-verbal autistic he used to be in his own world but he's starting to seek company and show eye contact and then he comments about how he never actually wanted a, another kid at that age but if he did the clincher for him was to get help so he made his wife's mum move in with him sounds like a lovely man this is my favorite bit though this is my favorite bit at 3 p.m he declares that he's an amateur historian so he spends two hours by himself playing total war saga on his computer, because we all know that means you're a historian. Nice. Yeah. Cooked dinner once a week at six o'clock, eight o'clock bed. Thank fuck for that. What? What a loser. A twat. What a twat. Yeah. Imagine saying that. Imagine the Guardian or... Telling all your... In such a big uh, way. Yeah. Can we do an interview with you, Mr. Wallace? Yeah, of course. It's just about what you do on your Saturday. Yeah, no problem. Imagine saying all that and thinking that... Kind of pretty, you know, uh, yeah. good light. But, Imagine doing that, though, like, but just, when you've got yeah, like, a kitten on there. Literally, but just like Elmo united the world, that yeah. feature of Greg Wallace's Saturday united the UK against him. Again, we didn't know we needed that, but we did. Yeah. I, I Googled it afterwards, and it's lots of articles about how hurt he was by the backlash uh -oh. to it. It doesn't sound like any reflection has been done. Absolutely not. It, yeah. Pond water. Yeah. But what's the next one? You've never seen yourself through your own two eyes. Oh yeah, it just freaked me um, out oh, a bit. Yeah, it's a good point. Has anyone thought about the? This is a tweet from 
at Levant Jalet. Oh, she's a great vocabulary she's, to follow. She she's amazing. Yeah, she is. Um, she's really glamorous. Has anyone thought about the fact that they have never actually seen themselves through their own eyes? Like your own two eyes have never physically seen you outside of the projection of a mirror, camera, water reflection. You've only ever been perceived by others, never by yourself. The same beauty is in the eye of the beholder is thus never more complicated because you'll never ever behold your own physical beauty. Just a theory, an idea of it, by means, descriptors, your children, your partner, parents, associates, friends, everyone beholds one form. And the form is fickle. Who beholds it is fickle. Because if the beholder is incapable of observing your beauty or theirs or any beauty or has another definition, does yours diminish? Who you rely on to behold and define your beauty is dangerous. At the end of the day, you will from birth to death never behold your own beauty physically through your own eyes unless medicine allows us to transplant your eyes outside oh. your body. She really went off on one. Literally, So you must yeah. learn to feel and see whatever's on the inside. Oh, I think it's a really interesting point. Yeah, when I, you surround yourself. Yeah, when I read that, I needed to have a lie down afterwards because it just <laughs> scrambled my brain because I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, it's so true. I've never seen myself through my own eyes. What do other people see? Like, it's just, it was just one of those things where I was like, in a pure existential crisis. <laughs> but next tweet, Sp spicy pineapple. This caught my eye because I can totally relate to this. So this was by at L91. And she said, I always thought that people hated pineapple on pizza because it's spicy until I learned that pineapple is not spicy to most people. And I am in fact allergic to pineapple. That's now so I funny. thought everyone's mouth was meant to be on fire when they ate an orange. I just thought that was normal until everyone said, no, it doesn't make your mouth go on fire. That is absolutely not normal. That's you. Yes. Why I just thought, so I love oranges, but my mouth and lips burn, like painful burn. And I just thought that was citrus oh, like citric so acid. And I just thought that was like, and then someone said, oh, have you ever heard of this thing called like oral allergy syndrome? And I was like, oh, that explains it. I'll still carry on eating them. But <laughs> I just assumed everyone had that experience, but. That's so funny. Not, oh not to you me. On the topic of like pineapple and pizza, I know it can set some people off. But Lily, so Joe was like really into Hawaiian pizzas, not anymore actually, but the kids, because they got so used to eating it, because Joe would order it. And now Lily has decided she's a vegetarian. Yeah. And so last time we had pizza, I was like to Lil's, you can order whatever you like now. You don't have to order ham and pineapple. And she was like, I have a pineapple pizza. Oh, so I had to order pizza. Just pineapple. Just pineapple. Did she eat it? Did she like it? She did. She did. Wow. That's what she likes. She's definitely so, one of us through. She's definitely <laughs> one of us. I'm sorry. There's no, like no denying that. Please. Just pick a chicken Fleur. supreme. Yeah. Like everyone or a veggie else. supreme. Anything. But just okay. plain pineapple. Pineapple pizza. Oh, bless her. Oh, so you did a, on the topic. Worst kitchen crimes. Yeah. What's this one? So as sometimes we like to have um, a tweet from Very British Problems yeah. who provided a list of helpful kind of kitchen crimes. Oh, gosh. So yeah. wet spoon and the sugar, definitely get yeah. that. It's horrible, isn't yeah. it? Where it just starts to clump. Yeah. Crumbs in the butter. To be fair, Joe does I do, so I do this. And because yeah. I live by myself, I'm like, I'll tolerate that. Uh, I guess me. No, and do you double dip? You know, where you're like, I don't know, a marmite or whatever. And use yes, the same I do. I do. Do the same knives, so your marmite's got little bits of butter in it. We yeah. all jam little bits of butter in it. Oh, yeah. that's just yeah. I know. I'm, I'm a dirty girl, dirty girl. Oh my god! This toaster settings. Yes, this annoys me because I like 
dark toast. Like I like it yeah, actually cooked. Whereas my dad, when he comes to mine, he likes his anemic. Like he likes this, mm. like even rawer than bread. Yeah. And raw then, bread. And then when I, I'm always like tricked because I'm like, oh, my toast is not working. So I'm like, yeah, just do not. I was going to say, do not touch my knob. But that doesn't sound right either. But I'm going to splice together. Yeah, everything all these things. Yeah, the GMC would be knocking at my door. Never mind. Uh-huh. It's, it was coming. Bread bag left open. I never have yep, bread no, around no. long enough. But uh, yeah, that would annoy me. Oh, Marmite yeah. covered knives out to the worktop. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Empty milk bowl but back in the fridge. I oh, that hate makes that. me very, very angry. I yeah. hate that in work. Soup splattered microwave. Joe actually hates that so much that she yeah. wants everything that goes in the microwave has to be covered. It's, Things are more. And it's why I won't use microwaves in work, because if you look in a work in an NHS um, microwave, it's disgusting. Like so I will gross. salads yeah. only. And then yeah. yeah, tea bags in the sink, wet tea bags. I can bile, aren't they? Just, when when yeah. you're cold. Ugh. Yeah. I've definitely done that many. Yeah, you do the type. I do, exactly. (laughs) But I don't want to, like, run with it across the kitchen. Yeah, so you get the drippers, don't you, then? That's a good point. So I have to get, like, a bowl to put them into, to take them into the bin. Yeah. It's a hard life. Yeah. (laughs) The little insight there. Yeah, exactly. What's this DoorDash delivery? Yeah, this is a good one to end on. (laughs) So DoorDash is, like, an American version. It's just delivery. And... Right. I just like this tweet from at not today, Eric, who just said, imagine DoorDash, but you could just send people bitch slaps. And I was like, I have so many people, even from today, that I would gladly <laughs> get onto yeah, Deliveroo yeah, about, and yeah. order one of those. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, gift. maybe that's, maybe that's something. Because I remember years ago, there was like a glitter, there was a glitter capsule one that you would that you'd send it to your enemies. They'd open it and it would just have glitter everywhere because obviously that's notoriously no, like that. hard. Wow. So clearer. But yeah, I think bitch slaps is like the, the next step above that. That's really <laughs> driving the point home. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Should, should we bitch cool. slap our way out of here now? Yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like the equivalent of that at work is like when you're finishing you're like shifting you're about to hand over and you accept some really ropey patient and then you're like oh and then you're like oh yeah this you're gonna deal with it and then off you go i guess i'm trying to think of like a work-related one i don't know yeah like i i felt like i would just throw the bleep at that person with such euphoria as you're better now yeah yeah and it's got no battery yeah it's quite sad yeah yeah cool it's good to be back it is to catch uh, yeah, exactly. Thanks for listening, people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, hoping to be like back, a usual service resumed. Imran is also around now, like his his daughter, just to update people. She's back home. She's been discharged. So that's, that's great brilliant. Yeah. So I'm sure like people are pleased to hear that. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. And. Till next week. Take it. Bye. Look after yourselves. Bye bye.